0: Hello and welcome to the Unpretty Podcast. I'm Basma and this is Chi.
1: We want to explore the world of beauty through the experiences and stories of people of colour.
0: In each episode, we will unpack different themes and topics, along with the help of some friends, experts, and people we just really love.
1: We've got lots to say, lots to learn, and we're here to do that with you. So let's get to it. Okay, welcome
0: back. Welcome back, guys. How are you, about? Yeah. I'm good. It it became winter this week. Which is a bit sad. I know it's so cold. So it just was like in an instant. It was like, oh, oh, rain. Okay, we're we're doing this now. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, a bit sad about the winter. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm very busy, so feeling a little bit frazzled, but good. Mm. Can't complain. Very excited about today's episode. Yeah,
0: it's gonna be. Um, it's it's a nice one to talk to because I think we've all felt this so. This week's episode, we're kind of covering the concept of fetish, fetishization. I can never say the word. You say it.
1: I know. It's fetish. Oh my God. Now I can't say it. <laughs> fetishization. Yeah, there In you go. dating.
0: Fetishization. Fetishization in dating. <laughs> but I think it's something that we've all kind of um, felt at different times, whether we like it or not, and whether people would want to admit that they have fetishes or not. But it's interesting talking to our two guests because they come from different places, as do me and you. But for you, Mm -hmm. what's your experience of it?
1: Oh, I mean, I'm in normal times. I'm currently not dating, as we know. But I'm pro-dating everyone. I don't have a specific physical type. I just like guys that share my values, share my interests will enrich my life in some way. That's my criteria. I mean, obviously there's a lot more boxes like under each of those umbrellas. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't have a specific physical dating preference, even when it comes to height, race, anything at all. Hmm. Um, So with that, my position is that I don't have a type, really. But right, I think right. what makes me feel uncomfortable is when I find out that I'm someone else's type that okay. I find just really gross. Okay, I hear you.
0: Yeah, okay, I hear you. I think what about you. I, not that I'm in a different place, but I think for me, I didn't used to have a type at all. I kind of was like, you know, you don't think you have a type, but you like whatever you're around, if I'm really honest. Like, I think anyone, Mm -hmm. you grow up in a certain environment and you like what's in the environment because you don't know any different. So I definitely had a type of, I guess, being with white guys when I was younger because that was what I was around. As I've gotten older, I definitely date black guys now. So I do have a type. But my type isn't based on race. I don't think, I guess it's based on an understanding of cultures. Um, mm. I think that's why i always I'm just trying to take out some of the not difficult but some of those conversations by not dating outside of a culture that will understand mine. not to say yeah. that if I met someone who got got it and wasn't in the culture, I wouldn't you know fall in love and be really happy, but out of sheer experience it's always felt a little bit easier to date someone who understands. So maybe, yeah. So I guess I do have a type, whether I fetishize it or not. I don't know if that is, I don't think I do because I don't look at it in this like sexual kind of drooly way. I just look at mm-hmm. it it would be easier <laughs> for my life.
1: As someone who has three brothers, mm. I think the reason why I'm so passionate about the topic is actually the fetishization of black men Yeah, that I witness consistently like had so many experiences where you know people white girls will tell me that they exclusively date black guys Mm. and I had a really interesting conversation with one of my friends um Mm. a few months ago and it was a really really good conversation actually because I think she had obviously been thinking about what her racial preference actually meant right and she was like you know I've always thought that I am into black guys but I have to ask myself, why am I into black guys? Is it because of this idea of black men I have in my head? And I think Mm -hmm. having had that conversation with her, it's really enlightened how I approach those conversations with other white girls that say things like that.
0: Fine. So how did you approach it?
1: Yeah, I have to ask the question, why do they feel that they are only attracted to black men? Mm. Because the problem with having... A racial type in my opinion is that it's based on a stereotype really because black men and black women and asian men and asian women come in many different shapes sizes they have different interests they have different religions they have different values and by having a type that's specifically race focused
0: mm-hmm.
1: is problematic <laughs> yeah Yeah it
0: is problematic and I think it's not what's nice about this conversation talking to we're we haven't even said who we're talking to but talking to Evelyn Mock and talking to Vic Hope is really interesting because actually Evelyn's point of view I'm really looking forward to hearing in terms of how you're seen as an Asian woman I think I guess then Vic being mixed race me being East African Mm -hmm. you being West African it is quite interesting to sort of see the different variations and where it all comes from because in the end it stems to the fact that we all have felt that fetish vibe before.
1: Mm -hmm. For sure. So shall we introduce our guest? Yeah let's get into it. So today we have Vic Hope who
0: is a TV and radio presenter, journalist and published author. She's received multiple awards for her work in television and media. She's hosted the Capital Breakfast Show on Capital FM radio station for three years and has recently joined Radio 1 presenting a show called Life Hacks with Kitty Thistleton, which is the first time in the channel's 20-year history that there's two female presenters. So go Vic.
1: And also joining us is Evelyn Mock. Evelyn is a comedian born and raised in Sweden. She's performed sets for Comedy Central and the BBC, and on moving to London, she was quickly selected for the prestigious Pleasants, comedy reserve named one to watch by timeout comedy and placed on the bbc new talent hot list and actually i beg you all to google evelyn because she's actually hilarious
0: yeah two very dreamy ladies
2: welcome thank you it's very nice to be here
0: Welcome, guys. The first question we like to ask everyone at the very beginning is, how do you guys identify yourselves ethnically?
3: Oh, oh, you know what? No one has ever asked me that. I think people just assume that they know, don't they? They just they, they, they put their own mm. ethnic label onto you. And it's something I've just not thought about, but I'm mixed race. I, whenever you know anyone says, where are your parents from? I say, well, my mum's Nigerian and my dad is British. He's a Geordie from Newcastle. And I... I'm not half and half. I'm not one of them and one of the other. But I'm I'm a whole. I'm, I'm a mixture of the of the two. And um, so yeah, mixed. And Evelyn, what about you?
2: Uh, Chinese. Uh, I'm probably the most Chinese person ever. I think, um, just ethnically. <laughs> Probably ethnically, because my dad is from Hong Kong. My mom, she is from the center of China. She's actually from where uh, the virus is from. Oh, (laughs) really? Yeah, that really put us on the map. Um, But she's from Hubei, which is where Wuhan is. But she's from a smaller town called uh, Tianmin, uh, which means like uh, the door to heaven or something. Um, And so, but then she... Her family migrated to India when my grandmother was a kid. So my mom's born and raised in India. So mm. culturally, I'm a bit of a mixed bag. I am I have like Chinese, I have Swedish because I'm born and raised in Sweden. And then I have the Indian kind of culture. And then also a lot of American culture because I just watched a lot of TV. But I think ethnically, I'm probably just like super super Chinese
1: Evelyn I love how you've just broken down our question and made me think we need to change it to how do you identify yourself ethnically and culturally oh yeah yeah. you're right yeah there is there are two different things Mm
2: -hmm. that's so true possibly yeah possibly
1: I mean sometimes the same when you're
3: like like you're building your identity which is what every young person does and actually everyone does is they go into adulthood as well. You're constantly evolving as a person and, and working out where you belong. I think you're right, your ethnic identity is not necessarily in line with your cultural identity. i certainly like grew up British, you know? I grew up in this country and my cultural mm-hmm. references are British. I always think that when I'm with my friends, like two of my best friends grew up in Belgium and they don't know the cartoons that we watch. And they don't know the sweets that we <laughs> bought. And they're such yeah, like yeah. massive cultural references that, that that's what makes them not British. Um, but yeah I'm, i and i also i think growing up because i didn't know anyone else who was mixed race i didn't really know anyone else who was black um and knew so few nigerians apart from my own family when you're growing up all you want is to fit in so I, I kind of i kind of was a little bit embarrassed about the nigerian things that we did the nigerian food that we ate in the home and the the cultures yeah. and traditions that my my mum brought to the family so i i didn't really identify with them I don't really feel like they would make mm-hmm. me fit in, which is all you wanted when you were little. So, mm-hmm. it's only in recent years I've become proud of them and I've celebrated like the cultural Nigerian offerings that, that I get to now put out into the world um, via my mum. So, that's been a journey, you know. That's been um, it's taken a little bit of time to culturally identify as Nigerian, but certainly ethnically,
0: yeah. It's,
1: it's, it's very yeah. that's so interesting. Yeah, it's
0: a good thought. Actually, process we should think about that, actually culturally, even for myself, I identify as Irish as well, as Sudanese. I everything I know is Irish so is that but but I'm very Sydney so yeah it's a, yeah it's a bit of both we've been wanting to discuss this sort of topic and talk about you know a bit more in depth about the resurgence obviously of everything that's happened with BLM and the topic of racial fetishization came up and we wanted to ask Vic in research for this episode we came across various features and interviews that you've talked about dating as a black woman a mixed-race woman can you tell us a little bit more about your dating experiences growing up.
3: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I wrote an essay for a book called Notes on Love, which is an anthology of writers coming together to talk about loves, relationships and marriages that don't necessarily conform. And I decided to write about interracial relationships and the changing face of second generation mixed race Britain and, and also the kind of the fundamentally racist algorithms that are at play with online dating quite a lot of the time. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's been exits of that and they've kind of we've changed bits and pieces to, to put them in the Sunday Times and in Marie Claire. But I think, yeah, that opening line from the article I wrote with Marie Claire, which was about that 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 phrase that you hear and you hear it over and over again. Oh, you're the first black girl I've been with. And I think it's so yeah. innocuous and it's it's supposed to be it's just a statement of fact. It's not supposed to hurt, but oh my gosh, it's like a feeling of dread. Every time I hear it, it's mm-hmm. in my stomach and it it's just so tinged with this this idea of just when is the novelty going to wear off then if that's something you felt you needed to say and something that you you felt and maybe you've just felt it in like a oh this is this is a thing but I don't know it's it it gives me this sinking feeling in my stomach every time I hear it and I've heard it a lot because I grew up in Newcastle in the 90s which is primarily majority white I went to Cambridge Uni which is Overwhelmingly white, and <laughs> I fancied skinny white boys with that messy brown hair. You know, like the ones that you, that were in the bands, the indie bands in the nineties yeah. and because that was around. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah. It's hard to, to yeah. be attracted to something that it, that it doesn't exist in your world. So I was. That's what I was attracted to, and um, it it was a phrase that came up over and over again, and I didn't understand why it made me feel so sick. <laughs> and it's it's because it was feeding into an insecurity that I had that was deep rooted, that was beyond dating, but it was um. This idea that, that as a black woman I was f- too much for some people or um, the mm. words that you hear used by are sassy, feisty, aggressive um, and, it, and I was already insecure, I was already believing those stereotypes about myself and wanting to tone myself down and dilute myself so that I wouldn't stand out and that it's just an underlying thing that it, it, it took me until I was comfortable in my own skin aside from dating. To, to to not feel that way anymore when I go into relationships, but um, but yeah, I I just I know that a lot of other women have felt similarly. A lot of other women that I've speak, spoken to have felt similarly, and it's interesting, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think from my experience, I grew up in a majority white city. My uni was majority white. I've dated a lot of white guys, and they have told me that I'm the first black girl. And my my thought is like. Are you just dating me because you just want to try it out? Like, I've never had caviar, so I'm going to try caviar today. Like, I'm going to try dating a black girl today. It's That's the sick feeling that I get, that you're only dating me because of my race, not because... I'm a babe and I'm funny. Evelyn, do you tend to have the same thing from dating guys? Do they say, you know, I've never dated a Chinese woman before? Like, what's your experience been?
2: It's been very much uh, similar, but maybe not the phrase of I've never dated a Chinese woman before. Because usually it's like, if I get attention, I'm not saying everyone, but when it's somebody who does give it that has like the type, it's somebody who's... Uh, dated Chinese women before, or like Asian women before, because it's either mm. people basically, or um, men who just have this like kind of idea of, um, they call it their type. But I I find it to be fetishization. And I had a mm. conversation with like a friend of mine who's a, an Asian guy, and he he says that he feels complimented whenever a, a woman says that she wants to be or like she's never dated an asian guy before. And then I was thinking about it cuz I guess it's because with asian um how asian people are perceived in the west as like when it comes to dating and love, women have been hypersexualized and also mm-hmm. like seen as really submissive at the same time and really docile. Well, uh, whereas the men, asian men are just desexualized. They're emasculated and um not seen as a like a proper option and so when he said that he felt it that it was a compliment when women said they'd never been with an Asian dude before and he was the first he was like oh okay and and so I realized that oh it's because for him the stereotype is the opposite for what it is for me
0: yeah which is like
2: just like this objectification where it's like oh I really love Asian women um And you just feel immediately, you feel so grossed out because you're, Mm. you feel so objectified and you feel so um, dehumanized in a way. It's like, okay, so.
0: That male point of view though is so fascinating that he's like, it's actually
3: quite a nice thing.
0: Like we would have,
3: I never heard of that. You can see it like quite acutely on online dating. There was some research done that showed that Asian men and black women were Mm. the least swiped on online dating. Whereas Asian women, white men were the most swiped and and the way that they categorize you on on online dating like 17 out of the top 25 online dating sites give you racial markers as a way of like categorizing of of ticking boxes for who you want and don't want yeah (laughs) it's crazy when you think about it but um but it's this thing people think think that well it's my type it's my type but you're right it's a fetishization and it sort of goes along the same lines of porn the way that they categorize and I think, you know, oh, <laughs> yes, you're so yeah. right. Yeah. Oh,
1: my God. I was having a conversation with my friend last night about this ahead of us recording the episode. And we were talking about different terms that we use, which we'll get to at some point in this episode. But he kept throwing out these terms and he was like, yeah, that's a category. That's a porn category. Yes. And I was like, <laughs> wow, shit. I didn't even think about this episode in the context of porn. But like it is, it adds to the discomfort yeah, that's yeah why i feel, get that I've always said that
2: I feel like i'm I'm basically a bunch of porn categories because I'm <laughs> Asian I'm plus size um I can do things with my feet like,
3: <laughs> <but it's> like... <laughs> three... oh, sorry what,
2: do you do with your what can
0: you do with your feet
2: oh yeah that'll be that's paid porn hubs so. <laughs> <laughs> only fan only, fans. <laughs> only fans. um but it is weird when you feel like that's uh, that's basically how you've been viewed um, mm-hmm. through the lens of people. And it's like you internalize that, mm-hmm. especially if you grow up as a minority in the West. You internalize all of these things. Like you were saying, Vic, that you were kind of... One of your worries were that when does the novelty wear off? And if it does, is that over? Is Does that mean that the relationship is over? Um, and yeah, it, it just makes you very... Uh, or at least it makes me very kind of uh, hesitant of dating or like very careful when it comes to dating because it's always this thing of like okay so which 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 fetish is it that I'm fitting into
0: for this guy what's the worst thing that you've both been called to do with your race while you've dated
3: oh a beautiful negress (laughs) oh Oh, Oh my god. <laughs>
1: oh my Negress. Oh, Negress?
3: Oh. Yeah, can you believe it? Oh wow. It's, oh it's painful. Oh it hurts. I didn't even know that was a word. <laughs> it's not a it's word. A, it's,
1: wow. it's not.
3: It's not a word, is it?
1: It's gross. Isn't oh
0: it? my god. Evelyn, what about you?
2: Me, uh, I mean nothing as uh as bad as that. <laughs> I would say it's like, you know, like Mulan or something. Oh, well, I was once called, like, they said that I look like Lilo from Lilo and Stitch. And I was like, a cartoon? Oh, and Lilo's I Hawaiian.
1: Oh. And was that meant to be a compliment? I've, I'm confused.
2: Yeah, I don't know.
1: I mean, I don't know.
0: like Lilo. She's she's sweet. She's
1: Lilo's also a child. She's
0: a child, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's a child. She's a cartoon. Yeah. Uh, she's Hawaiian. And, uh, yeah.
3: So many inaccuracies.
2: really weird. Oh,
1: my uh, God. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's like what you said. Like, I, I think for a lot of people, they, they feel it's supposed to be a compliment. But that's the problem because there's something so dehumanizing in, in needing to... Needing to subjugate someone in that way um, and use those terms mm-hmm. of what I think they think are endearment, but are actually like dehumanizing and, and making you feel a bit like you're a pet or a novelty, you know. Um, yeah. And that's that's the narrative that needs to shift. Um, and that's you know that's what yeah. we're fighting for when we're fighting for a more equal world is is because you don't you don't think about other human beings in that way. You don't talk about them in that way. It's that's not it's not kind and it's um, disrespectful. Yeah.
0: Well, Vic, you'd actually said about the statistic when it comes to dating. So in 2003, OKCupid released that study that unveiled that the two least desirable groups on dating apps, and obviously you said what it was, which was Asian men and also black women. Saying that with what you've just said now, do you guys still think that that's the case in 2020? Because that was in 2013.
3: Hmm. So uh, my understanding is that there is now a lot of scrutiny of these apps because there were a lot of um cases of some quite bad races. That, I mean, all races. There was some horrible um, abuse going on on these apps, um, and a lot of them had mm-hmm. to be seen to be putting their foot down and to be investigating these cases when they were reported. But that doesn't change the racial biases that kind of underlie the reasons that those algorithms work the way they did. Because for the apps to work. They need to be successful to some degree. People aren't going to use them if they don't yeah. get what they believe is their type. So
1: what the they, the they issue is
3: not just the app, it's society as a whole. If, if people believe that's their type, how are you going to change their mind? Um, mm. So the apps are just trying to exist. They're trying to survive. Um, but I, I, So the question of whether they've got better is probably more a question of whether we've all got better. Because um, they just reflect mm-hmm. the demand, you know, the demand that there is. Um, as I understand it, a lot of them are working to get rid of those ticky boxes, you know, where you can say I don't want someone who's black or Asian or whatever. Because essentially, if you think yeah. about it, it's kind of like you know the signs: no, no blacks, no Irish, no dogs. You're not allowed them anymore. Mm. Thank God. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> why? Why are you allowed to do it on a dating app?
1: Um, well, that's the that, question, isn't it? Is, ra- is having a racial preference racist? Is that wrong? Because I it's think having so. a type racist.
2: Where I kind of, just I think, yeah, I think yeah. So. <laughs> well, I was having this conversation with my friend, and um they were saying, like, well, it's a type, right, like you all we all have like types we're attracted to, um, you know, just visually, and then I was like, yeah, but type is like, oh, if they're into I like the nerd, or you know, I like somebody mm. who I like the uh musician or I like the kind of um. I like the intellectual,
1: uh, intellectual
2: yeah. or something but it's like I like the intellectual unless they're Chinese or I like the intellectual right. unless they're black then I think that's racist right
3: yeah or- yeah that's I, agree. A, that's, I agree that makes complete sense because I've really struggled with this for a long time like where does type um become racist or problematic but the truth is we shouldn't be allowed to to use these really stringent really aesthetic ways of um Filtering people out on on apps because essentially we as human beings are sample products. We're like food. You don't look at a tin of food, look at its nutritional value, and decide you like it. You have to taste it. So <laughs> with all of these apps, <laughs> we're just, if we're just giving nutritional value and deciding we like something from that. That's not a fair representation of whether we're going to have a connection with that person. And that's where fetishizations come yeah. come in because they're not to do with experience, but to do with a, 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 a an, like an, an imaginary ideal. Like yeah that doesn't
1: necessarily exist. Yeah. That's interesting that you're talking about the race filters on apps because, obviously, Grindr removed their their race filter in June in response to the um, resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement. But, you know, there's still apps like Hinge, for instance. My friend was showing me that the race filter is a basic preference that you don't actually have to pay for. But if you want oh. to filter people out based on if they want children, if they take drugs, if they smoke, you have to pay. You do to pay for that. Oh. <laughs> you do yeah. to pay for that. I know that from experience. <laughs> you have to pay for height. You have yeah. to pay for height as well. Yeah, you don't pay for height.
0: But you don't have to pay for wow. weight. Wow. But a erase
1: filters, I mean... Vic, I guess you're kind of saying, um, I guess we are all kind of saying that race filters are problematic, but is there value from a, even from a safety point of view with race filters? Like when I think about Grindr removing their race filters and thinking about the casual element of Grindr meetups, you know, if the, anon- the an- anonymity of Grindr, um, if a racist accidentally Agrees to meet up with a black person without knowing that they're black. That's where I'm a bit like, maybe the race filter could keep racists away from. You you?
3: So uh, they know what they know what they're getting. Like, I mean, it, it not necessarily be, on Grindr. <laughs> oh really? So you can meet someone without? i sorry, I did not know that. You can meet someone without seeing a picture of them.
0: I don't know how Grindr uh, works. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. There there's like this anonymity an anonymity that happens on Grindr. It's oh, a bit um, scary. Maybe actually. other Oh because
2: it's like terrifying. a hookup. It's it's yeah. like a hookup app and so Yeah, exactly. It's oh. more of a hookup app.
0: Then I think yeah, I'm kind of with Chi in the sense of I'm not the same in terms of the racist meeting a black person, but I guess it begs the question to all of us in this group, do we have a racial preference that comes along with that race being that that person understands your culture, understands your religion, understands your way of life, is that then a preference? And if that is, is it okay to have a racial preference? Uh,
2: well, I've, I've been thinking about that recently because I, like everyone here, I think probably internalized like this, the kind of Zach Morris, um, you know, kind of image because that was what we saw on TV growing up. So, you know, you wanted the kind of skinny white guy um for a very long time
1: I love that you've just referenced Zach Morris (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) no no it is it's like ultimate yeah even though like
2: Slater was much hotter (laughs) even though he was much hotter it was still like Zach Morris because he was like the star so growing Mm -hmm. up it was very much like I I liked white guys because it was just this teenage thing and that was what i saw i guess and that was what i regurgitated to myself but then as growing up it was more like and you know i got more aware of the world and and aware of like structures and and um uh, institutional racism and stuff um It was like, oh, okay, now I understand the system and trying to get out of that complicity. And then you open up to everybody and you see people more, which is a weird way of putting it. I don't know. Well... (laughs) it's but now like now in my older age when it comes to like you're thinking about marriage or you're thinking about raising kids and then you're thinking about how a person's going to interact with your family and your culture and all of that stuff I have been thinking I'm like maybe it is easier just to meet somebody who is of the same culture because then you just have a shorthand and you won't have to There won't always be this barrier between you where you have to explain something and then you have to fit in with their family and their culture, which is like just an extra thing. And so I have been thinking, I'm like, oh, maybe it is just maybe I I will just date East Asians now for a while or Southeast Asians for a while. Um, But then it is that interesting question then. Am I then profiling or am I then also problematic for doing that,
0: right, yeah, I mean I'm like you, Evelyn, I'm kind of in the middle, I'm a bit like I actually the older I get the more I think I'd rather just date someone within my circle of understanding, but then if we remove the apps that tell you what the racial preference is, then you <laughs> have to go with hoping that that person is of that ilk
3: I don't know, I don't know, it's a tricky one, Vic, what do you think? No, completely the same. I feel quite conflicted at the moment. I grew up with my grandma on my Nigerian side, so adamant that I had to marry a Nigerian, not just a Nigerian, I had to marry an Igbo man, like a man from our tribe, the Igbo um, you tribe. You're an Igbo! Yeah, yeah, How are you? Sister! Yeah. Yes. yeah. Very, very <laughs> i never meet
1: Igbos! Where are you? Um, my family are from Enugu. Okay. Yeah.
3: So we're Emo do state. Nigerian thing.
1: For to <laughs> Next.
3: <laughs> it's so. It, I mean, even I if, like I, if I was married to a it wouldn't be cool. But the, it was. It was. And I rebelled against that. <laughs> and I was like, Well, no, Grandma. That's not. That's not what I want. I, you know, I'm British. I grew up in this country, and and it's exactly the same as Evelyn was saying. You know, I fancied the Zach Morris type because that's what I knew. That's what I saw on the TV. That's what I saw around me. Mm-hmm. Um however. As I've grown up, and as I've come to become so proud of my Nigerian heritage, of my culture, and I want to celebrate it, and I've met more Nigerians, you know, moved from Newcastle down to London. Newcastle's super multicultural now, anyway. But you know, th- I've been able to express and explore my culture far more, and it has occurred to me a lot in dating and also just in friendships that I want to keep that side of me alive. And I am, you know, first generation mixed race. My kids will be second generation mixed race I also worry that my experience of the world my experience of racism my um stance on it comes from a, a place of experience and I guess we all want our kids to want the to make the world a, a better place as well and and I'm scared that if they don't have my experience they won't they won't understand it the same way but then then on the flip side, my mum's experience of racism is so different from mine and and yeah I'm still mm-hmm. you know I'm still mobilized and I'm still conscious and I'm still trying to, to fight and trying to make things better so as long as my kids are good people, then that's all that matters, you know? As long as they want the world to be better, (laughs) It doesn't have to be because they've been called the N-word, you know? It doesn't have to be because they've experienced the racism. They can just know. But yeah, a part of me wants to keep my culture alive. There's a solidarity in shared experience. So when I have been recently on dates with guys who have been mixed race, who have been black, where I hadn't in the past because I hadn't had access to anyone, and some of the conversations we've had have been really invigorating because there there was just a shared understanding of... And cultural references certain things that we've been through certain experiences mm. and i i love that that's not to say you can't have those conversations with um people from any background and i think one thing we've learned with the momentum of the black lives matter movement is that these conversations need to become normal and actually in previous relationships it wasn't the difference in our race that was an issue it was the lack of conversation about race that was the issue yeah so I think as long as we can yeah, be open and yeah. move forward together
1: definitely yeah I totally agree I think that the other thing that's a big consideration of mine is when I have dated black guys very rarely because actually they don't approach me for whatever reason but it's it's difficult because my background is very very different to a lot black people are so different they come in so many different forms have very different interests and it's not as simple as me dating I've never dated an ebook guy actually um but i Think because my parents aren't. I mean, my mum listens to this podcast and she's going to be like, How dare you say that I'm not traditional? But she's not (laughs) actually that traditional. She isn't the same as like my aunties, for instance. My perception of the world, and also I'm very different to my family as well, is very, very different to my cousins or my brothers and whoever. So for me to find someone who is the same race as me the same tribe as me has the same values as me and the same interests I mean so many boxes that's why that's Basma always laughs at me for this but that's why I've opted out
0: this girl this girl's not dating <laughs> she's she's just like the side of this she's like cleansed her hands of the dating thing completely I'm her dating
1: wife. myself okay yeah. it's not, it's a whole thing we're not even going to get
0: into women <laughs> liberation date your, you live girl live um, well, what i'm dating we, myself too you're dating they yourself no, I'm <laughs> too. i'll <date> <laughs> quick question for you evelyn what do you think as an asian woman is the race that maybe fetishizes you guys maybe the most because i've i have a lot of i actually have white and black male friends who really fancy asian girls
2: oh and
0: i always think it's quite interesting the race that chooses the race you know
2: yeah yeah i think on well from my experience it's been mostly this is really interesting from my experience it's been mostly white men who go for my Asianness, and then it's been mm-hmm. black men who go for my like plus size ah.
1: so it's like but then
2: so yeah from my experience it's been like that and with the white guys who have like a like really outspoken kind of uh, Asian fetish I think it's so problematic because I think that definitely is based in some kind of like colonial mindset and you can see yeah, it now yeah. as well with you know like going to Asia and marrying a woman because of the economic um it I don't know what it would be called but it is it, they're using the economic disadvantage that that woman mm-hmm. is in to kind of acquire a wife which is uh really problematic
1: do you watch Nine Today um, Fiance by any chance?
2: Oh my god, I love I love it. I know. Don't you think
1: it yeah, yeah, yeah. like that show personifies racial fetishization? Like you've got these middle American, middle aged mm-hmm. white women who go and find a husband in always in Nigeria yeah. or in the Arab nations, and then you've got the same their male counterparts are going like there's always a man who's going to the Philippines and yes. he finds himself like a
2: seventeen-year-old yeah. bride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's such a weird thing because, and then you see it now. It's something interesting because I started. I watched a documentary, and now the more affluent um, Asian countries are tr- like the men there who are kind of in the same situation of like not being married and being in their 40s, they're traveling to the less, uh, the, the more developing uh, Asian countries to get wives. So like a wow. lot of people from, yeah, a lot of people from like South Korea are going to like Vietnam or the Philippines or... um. Which documentary is this? I saw, It was by Al Jazeera, I think, on their YouTube hmm. channel. Mm, they have really yeah. good uh, documentaries, documentaries on there. Ooh. Yeah. So check that channel out because, um, and they were doing, they have a lot that covers Asia, basically. Mm, that's interesting. Um, but it was so interesting because now they're, it's so obvious that, um, Korea, then, for example, are, they're experiencing, they're being, they're experiencing like this kind of wealth that is so common in the West, um, that, it's starting to happen in that kind of region itself. So I, I, yeah, I found that so fascinating, very fascinating. Wow. And even one of the men even said, he was like, Korean women now are much more focused on work. Um, So I prefer somebody from Vietnam or from the Philippines because those women
1: wow.
0: are
2: more, yeah, they'll take care of me better. Oh, they'll basically, wife. you know, be a better wife be is better what wife, he yeah. was saying
1: it's so funny i think the term that they use on 90 day fiance which is similar to that is they have better family values or something yes. like that. And the, yeah that just means that they're gonna churn out kids and stay at home and clean the house yeah oh. exactly. exactly and be financially exactly.
3: dependent on them
0: yeah yeah
1: exactly. we wanted to just have a, a fun quick fire round just to like go through a few terms and also if you guys know of any terms just like throw them in oh, okay. um is this a test? Is this a
0: test? Basically, can, can you can you guess what the term means? So me and she'll okay. take in turns and we're gonna say oh the term gosh. and you guys have to guess what the term means. This okay. means we then don't actually have to say the term ourselves, it works really well. <laughs> Sorry,
1: <Mom. laughs> Exactly.
0: I'm not gonna, I'm so okay. <laughs> you will,
1: you um, will know some
0: of them. You will. Yeah, they're
1: quite <laughs> because also if we know them it's because they're pretty common um rice queen is that's a
2: gay term that's like yeah it's a gay man who's asian right
0: so what does it actually mean what's the what's the which way around
3: oh i don't know i don't know <laughs> Vic, any guesses oh, what do you mean by which way round? so it i i think evelyn what evelyn say makes sense a, a gay man who's Asian man who Asian. Who, what, who does something in particular or <laughs> is
1: into something in particular no. <laughs> so a rice queen is a oh. white man who only dates Asian men oh okay oh. okay
2: it's so cool. weird that like I mean it's highly offensive but like because it's a term like used in the gay community I almost think it's fabulous. <laughs> I
1: know. <laughs> Is that really? yeah. To be honest, my Asian gay friend, he the stories that he's told me sound actually horrifying and very predatory. Like he'll be in a club and a big, you know, middle-aged, gross man will approach him and be like, I'm a rice queen
3: oh say no
0: more (laughs) yeah literally say no more literally
1: okay the next
0: one is which should be pretty easy is jungle fever
3: oh yeah oh yeah although i've heard it used in two different ways but i i thought it was just someone who um likes oh i've heard it to be used for someone who likes black women but also someone who likes asian women Oh, oh have oh, you? heard from hmm. as well? Hmm. But, you know, why am I thinking that? Is it because... No, wait. Yeah, it's because I heard... You know, in that Ed Sheeran song with Cardi B and Camila Cabello, South of the Border? It's kind of bad that this is in a song. Now, like, she's like, I think Ed got some what little jungle like? fever. Oh. my
0: yeah. oh, dear. Oh,
3: no. Yeah, oh. Cardi says oh, it about God. Ed Sheeran. Oh, does he? Cardi B says it about Ed does Sheeran? Him? No, no he, I mean, his, I yeah, his wife is, is absolutely um, not. <laughs> like, well, that term is for only
0: person
1: who only dates
3: black people. Black, okay. Mm.
1: <laughs> the next one was yellow fever, but Evelyn, you've you've already brought that into the chat. So mm-hmm. I'm going to move on to this, which I think is going to be even harder. Cause it's hard,
0: this one. I didn't know we this one. Going
1: through. It, yeah, I didn't know this one either. Potato queen. Potato queen. Potato queen. <laughs> is it somebody who only
2: dates like white or Irish guys?
1: No! Nailed it. <laughs> That's
2: so funny.
1: <laughs> well, it's actually specifically, a, its I think it's specifically Asian people, or it's actually oh. another term in the gay community, Asian men who only date white men. Oh. But wow. I guess it could be Asian women who only date white men as well. Yes.
2: Mm. That's funny,
1: and then BMW. That's also dirty, isn't it? <laughs>
2: like, like, dirty. I don't know what that is. It's a plus size term in in porn, isn't it? BMW. Um, no,
1: B- that's BBW that you're oh, thinking yeah. of.
3: Sorry, and
2: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know BMW. No. Vic, any
3: guesses? No. Um, no. Is, the is the W woman? No.
1: No. Go on, um, she. You
0: can no. tell it. Okay, I'll do it for you. I'll do it. Okay, this term is means big uh, black man's willy.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> if you already have like bbc then why B? What was it? BMW? Like that's that. That seems like yeah, that's like literally. a more innocent way of saying. It.
0: Yeah, exactly. A more innocent way of saying it. It's true. Black man's that's so funny. Genius, effectively. Snow King. Snow King. Mm-hmm.
1: So if you've so, watched white chicks you might know this actually because i feel uh, like it was used on, on i didn't chicks. actually
2: know this one until you said it uh, is the, it only who dates only white women uh, but what black man who only dates
0: a white woman uh. well done guys i don't think you actually uh, got
3: that many correct but i think that's uh. a bad thing <laughs> mad that we have that- <laughs> all these names I guess people tag things as stuff all the time don't they but they are like fundamentally yeah. pretty problematic <laughs> they're all problematic I mean, yeah, yeah of
2: course <laughs> really yeah <laughs> but it was fun well to wrap
0: up as something we like to do, and ask all our guests. If you guys haven't listened to episodes, you might not know, which is good because then we can catch you off guard a little bit. But we like to end on this question: When did you realize that you were beautiful? Oh!
2: <laughs> I thought you were going to ask when did you realize you were Chinese?
1: Um, <laughs> I mean, you can also ask uh, ten. I, I was you around ten, that
2: probably. First. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, I, I, this is a harder question. I think, I mean, beautiful as in, I've always felt comfortable with myself. It's the thing of, but I, so this is, it's interesting and it's not an easy question to answer because beautiful in whose eyes, like attractive maybe. I don't think I've realized that I'm attractive yet but i've real- I've realized that I kind of like myself as I am, but I also know that the way I am is like according to conventional standards of beauty is bothersome to people, you know um, yeah so i I don't think that I ever think of myself as beautiful because. Also in my mind, I've probably internalized like some kind of conventional standard of beauty
1: right so I can
2: never really fully say that I feel beautiful objectively mm. um, but I can say that I feel comfortable with myself but it is that thing of like I feel like if I if I were to say that I feel beautiful I would I would not have the feeling of like questioning myself when I swipe on Tinder or like you know, or feeling the way that, um, oh, if somebody shows interest, I'm like, are they really showing interest in me, for me? Or are they showing interest because of these other things, like, you know, Mm. the other factors? So uh, I
1: think that's my answer.
2: Mm. (laughs) Very convoluted. Uh, uh, That's so interesting
1: that you, you, you're talking about the, you know, the standard of beauty, because that's the reason, the reason why we have this podcast in this, the first place is to really challenge what those beauty standards are mm-hmm. and actually the reason why the question is phrased the way that it is and when did you realize you were beautiful it's when you are beautiful so maybe it's now that you've realized or it's yeah, not maybe. yet but you, the answer to the question is that everyone's beautiful really
2: mm. you're
0: beautiful yes. we're all beautiful
2: oh thank you <laughs> uh, <Sick. laughs> yeah, it's an interesting question but yes.
3: Then, what about you um what evelyn said about realizing for yourself is is that's really like the most important part of that question isn't it because i'm sure i know like for a, a long time for much of my um youth other people thought i was beautiful you know i had boyfriends who thought i was beautiful my, parents thought I was beautiful I'm sure other people did too people told me I was but I didn't believe it um or I knew that I was beautiful to them but if they say beauty's in the eye of the beholder it wasn't in my eyes um and I think Mm. that my my feeling myself to be beautiful came with um really embracing the things that made me unique and a lot of it is not physical or aesthetic it was when I started to realize that like my mind was a really good one (laughs) like I had a good brain Mm. or that I or that I was kind and did like nice things for other people or it it, you know there's times when you feel beautiful there's times when you don't Um, the times when I feel the most beautiful are like when doing charity work or when I'm like writing a really good article stuff that I'm proud of and stuff that is Mm. my inner beauty when when I'm when I'm reveling in that when I'm enjoying those things then I feel the most beautiful. And it was when I realized I could harness that feeling was probably when I realised I was. Such a nice wow. answer.
0: You both get really beautiful nice. answers. Yeah. And also it's very, it's very interesting that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, because actually I've always struggled with that term because actually you're the beholder is the person looking at you. You're not saying the beauty then holds with you. You're saying the beauty is the person who's looking at you thinks you're beautiful. So it's giving the mm. onus to the other person to see you as beautiful, not as yourself. So yeah. it's always it such an It can also
1: be you. It could be you looking at yourself and or looking within yourself and seeing your beauty.
0: Yeah, I guess it's just as a term, it's never, it's always seen as, you know, if you see someone that you're like, God, oh, she's hot and he's punching whatever, and you're always like, oh, beauty's an eye of the beholder because you're owning it to the other person, you know? Right, To, right. to see the beauty. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's interesting, but beautiful answers, guys. Thank you.
1: Last, last question, and can I just say that we have loved yeah, this episode? Anyway, like, I've, this has been beyond, as I said, been so so excited about covering this topic, and it's gone beyond, yeah. You guys did it justice. <laughs> can you tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet? So, YouTube, Instagram, whatever you want to promote right now.
2: I am on Instagram at Evelyn Mock, and I everywhere else as well at Evelyn Mock. Um, and I have a podcast myself called Rice to Meet You <laughs> 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 with, uh, with my um, friend uh, Nigel Ong, who's also a- an Asian comedian. And we've, we're just a comedy podcast, really, but with, I guess we gear towards Asian culture and Asian stuff, uh, but very uh, open uh, so yeah
3: come and listen to us
2: yeah for
0: sure um, yeah
3: so at the usual socials instagram and twitter it's vic and hope and vic is with a ck and then a little n and then hope and yeah it, and if you want to listen to life hacks on radio one that's on sundays four till six and then the official chart update on radio one six till seven on sunday
1: great episode
0: yeah i really enjoyed that it was actually really funny it's a really funny oh my god like you almost have to like laugh these things off sometimes because it can be so ridiculous that you almost yes i agree (laughs) so yeah also
1: we don't i just want to say that we don't do these episodes so that people listen in and think like oh poor black people poor chinese people like (laughs) it is not about that um But yeah, I think sometimes as you said you just have to laugh through it. But yeah. Baz, I have to say something which is a bit controversial. Go on. This is my favorite episode so far.
0: You're like you have been on this episode. Why is it your favorite episode?
1: Ah, oh, I just I think because it's been on the table yeah. since the very beginning, day one. Yeah. We've been working on it the different Kinds of guests that we've talked about having on it, and then we've ended up here, and it's just—I just love it. I think Vic and Evelyn, amazing. Evelyn's hilarious.
3: Yeah,
1: Vic is brilliant. They're both super, super intelligent. I agree with you. I just loved it.
0: I think it's also because it's something that we've all experienced. I think when you go Mm -hmm. through something and it's a lived experience, and you're like, you feel what I feel, I feel what you feel, but you know, we all we don't realize that doesn't really matter where we're all from actually as people of color we all have this lived experience I really think that's where we all felt we could attach to it a little bit in our own ways yeah for sure so one thing that I find really interesting actually Evelyn said that she gets fetishized in different ways so she kind of gets fetishized for her body and then she gets fetishized for her looks which I never really thought about that because I guess as a black woman and I am quite curvy for like quite a small person. It's always kind of the embody of just being a black woman. Whereas it's very mm-hmm. interesting in her experience actually to hear how different races attach to her different features. And like for me as a curvy girl, like I can hide my bodily features because I just wear quite baggy clothes. But I can't hide the colour of my skin. And for her, she can't she can't hide who she is. So she almost knows what people are coming with. I I don't know. I, I kind of touched a nerve a little bit. I actually felt like, oh, like,
1: yeah, it's something I didn't think about. The whole topic of bodies is something mm. that I definitely hear. I mean, Baz, I know that you're a curvy girl, but let's be honest. We are both quite small. No, we're small in terms. We have yeah. friends that are much curvier and mm. the things that they have said to them are actually quite horrific mm. in a very similar vein to the kind of things that we discussed in the episode. But mm. I think the topic of bodies in itself is just s- such a deeper topic that we could we could unpack further. Mm. Speaking of bodies, I watched a great documentary series mm. on BBC iPlayer that everyone should check out called "Being British East Asian." Two of the episodes feature Evelyn oh. randomly, but one of the episodes is about sex which is obviously super relevant for the topic that we've discussed. Another episode is on beauty, which is just generally relevant for this podcast in general. And then the third episode is on bodies. And it was just really interesting hearing the guests talk about their experience within their culture and, and body shape. Well, actually, we can put a link to the series in our notes. Shout out to our notes, by the way. We never say that all of our guests details are in the notes, so please do check that out. Also,
0: Vic Hope's essay in Notes of Love is definitely something to check out. It was beautifully written so we'll also link that in our notes
1: one last recommendation that's related to this topic which is one thing that i think was missing from our conversation because obviously we were all females was the male perspective Mm -hmm. and i was listening to a fantastic episode on a podcast called what is this behavior which is brilliant everyone should listen to it um it's hosted by ruben and aaron christian and almas and they are south asians talking about their experiences as south asian creatives in london the last episode was about interracial dating and they talk very candidly about dating outside their race and um also almost the opposite of fetishization the rejection that they experience or have experienced within their own cultures which is Mm. quite interesting
0: really cool amazing there's actually this is the first time that we've given so many recommendations in an hour like, i know so guys all of you have a lot of listening and reading yeah. utilizing <laughs> <laughs> those notes that we don't use enough so there is a couple of recommendations actually we should do that more often things that we've heard or listened to or read
1: yeah i think we should before we finish i've just got to do a special shout out to our friend v <laughs> 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 who inspired this episode
0: (laughs) I wonder why he's just like not going to say why he's fired but anyway (laughs) thank you guys so much for listening until next time
1: you have been listening to the Unpretty Podcast hosted by me Chi Euphodiyama and me Basma Khalifa not forgetting our producers
0: shout out to Soleil for booking our amazing guests and Katie Bissett for managing this whole thing
1: Special thanks to Xenia Gallo for our artwork and Enoch Colo for our soundtrack. If you like what you
0: heard and want to hear more, please make sure you subscribe, rate us and make sure you tell all your friends.
1: And follow us on At Unpretty Podcast on Instagram and Twitter for more updates. Till next time.